Hey everyone, and welcome to another Slab Stocks Live episode, 6 p.m. Eastern Time here on the Slab Stocks YouTube channel. Myself, Aaron, joined by Nate, and today was the first match for the U.S. Men's National Team in the World Cup, and it did not it did not go as uh, we all hoped. It did not go as we all hoped. Nate, how did the match end? Because you actually watched it. Um, well, it ended with uh, nine minutes of uh, extended time and uh, no goal in that time. And also, um, uh, Tim Weah scored in the 36th minute, if I am correct there. And I think Gareth Bale had a penalty kick in the 68th minute and scored, scored there. So, Jeez. Remembering no the minutes, even. No big deal. <laughs> what a beast. What a beast. But, yeah, it was, it was very disappointing. Um, dominated well, unless you, have, unless you have a Gareth Bale card sitting around that you're trying to sell. Look at this chump. This chump sitting next to me all these weeks. You're actually going to want England to make out of the group? Yes. This kid's like, oh, well, Gareth Bale scored not against my card. Well, I'm just making the best of a bad situation. <laughs> I wasn't cheering for Wales or Gareth Bale in the, in the going in, but since he scored a goal, well, okay, I'll take it. Are you sure about that? You seem to have that card pretty close when you texted me. I ran all the way downstairs to grab it. I was messing with you, but yeah, um, it would have been nice to see a win. It would have been very securing for uh, the knockout stages, but now there needs to work needs to be done. Um, hopefully draw against England and uh, win against Iran would put us through. If we lose against England and so does uh, Wales, that just basically come down to who scores, uh, who has a better goal differential then. So it's kind of up to that number in the very end. So we'll see what happens, but uh, really would have been nice to come out the W, but the second half was not good. We played very poor in the second half. Would have been nice if Josh Sargent didn't stink. Yeah, we put the header in, put the header in. Um, and yes, chance, I will address this right away. So I also just got this chance right before the uh, we went live. And it was an email um, from last night when we're doing our flip quest live. I'm sure a lot of you who are listening tonight um, were there last night. And we too just got our invoice for two of the items that we won. The ones that we won live on the stream were the Barcelona logo and the LeBron James prismatic. Both of those ended uh, prior to 730 Pacific time. And I'm going to sneeze one second here. I thought I was going to sneeze. I didn't sneeze. Uh, the cards that went after that were when the servers started to to fail. Um, PWCC did send out an email to all bidders that were affected by it, either buying or selling it, I believe. And I believe that they're sending out more follow-up communication, um, one of which I believe I've been told, and uh, just wait for this to come out for confirmation, but that $100 credit should carry over for everyone to next week if you had it. And then the second one is that the items that were affected after 7.30 p.m. Pacific time are going to be uh, going back up live for sale on uh thursday so that is uh the decision that was made i'm sure there'll be more communication out from them on today so just stay tuned on that and uh today we're gonna be addressing not necessarily addressing but talking about the biggest market questions right now and that's actually from all of you i'm on instagram we do this every once in a while we put up a a question bubble on instagram and let people just shoot in their questions and tell you it's kind of like hey what's your biggest question about the market right now i'm just trying to get a feel for what people are thinking what they're seeing and uh Maybe you know what, where they uh, where they want to find out more information about, or how we could help, you know, or even how you all could help too, because you know we don't know everything. I know if uh, if Kevin C is watching uh, today, Kevin C left a question in for the uh, in the stream uh, for this stream, and Kevin is a very educated uh, historical collector. Where like some of the things from the early two thousands, like pre two thousand and eight, I'm just not as in tune to because I I didn't. I wasn't collecting cards up until 2008 when I was around 10 years old. Sure, I had some, but um, it took until 2008 for me to really just go head first in it. So, like, it'd be good to see what everyone else thinks as well. And we're just going to get started right away here. Jeter Collector and Cards had a question. What are consistent long-term holds in the hobby? And this question I do think come like, when you think about consistent long-term holds, I think if anyone were to make a list of, like, three to four athletes or three to four cards that would be on that list, one of them would be like Tom Brady. Um, and when you talk about consistent holds, there really isn't like an insane amount of guys you would probably like throw into there or necessarily cards because so much of the market is figure out when you can buy Julio Rodriguez as you know a first Bowman card when he just releases, then sell it once he gets in the MLB. Obviously, if you did that, you'd be missing on some profit up until now. But the you know the odds of Julio Rodriguez being a ten-year hold for Julio Rodriguez maybe it's high, but guys like Julio Rodriguez aren't all going to pan out um, to that point. And for Tom Brady himself, you can kind of see here back to 2005. We'd have to zoom in on his graph to get pretty specific, but it was pretty flat for you know most of a decade. Yes, small increases, um, but it was 
nothing crazy. And then he kind of wins one of those Super Bowls in there, I believe, around 2017, and does take a next step up. Step up, it gets. I think it goes over ten thousand dollars at that point, right? Two ten thousand dollars for the BGS nine contenders. And then once it, um, the market matures, you really do see it start to rise with the rise of collecting with with COVID and all that stuff. That's where you see the real gains. Um, and now that it has, you know, gone all the way up to one hundred twenty thousand dollars at one point, which is crazy to think about. It has really came crashing down uh, with the economic downturn and just Brady's career as well um, coming to a close in this year, not really going as the other years did. I know the Buccaneers are probably still going to win the division, but I don't think many people's hopes are too high for them um, to maybe win the Super Bowl as they were in the years past. But it has came all the way back down to, I think, around $38,000 was the last sale. So a card like this, Tom Brady, you, 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 most people would lump him into like the consistent long-term hold. But at the same time, um, in my opinion, it's not necessarily about – when you are um, you know, like the length of time that you're holding, I mean, it does, that does matter, but it's more about like, when are you buying it? Like you could have bought it a couple different points on like a drop that would have ended up being good. Um, if you bought it here in like 2020, end of 2020, obviously we made quite a few gains in 2021 when he won, when he won the Super Bowl. Um, but buying it, you know, kind of once it hits this in two year period and seeing gains. And the, the thing is that this goes for many cards like this graph. Not necessarily this exact graph, but some graph that looks like this goes for many cards in the market. So the last three years of data, like I want to preface this mini conversation, last three years of data is really hard to kind of take into account. Um, I yeah. think right now we're getting to a market point where we're kind of looking more like people are maybe hoping that we get to something that's like 2018, 2019, where you see that's pretty stable for most cards. And then Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl, so it kind of gets to that next level up versus just like this insane rise. Some of it for not much more reason other than people throwing money at cards. Some of it, yes, because you won a Super Bowl. Um, but like that's that's not a realistic expectation going forward to see those gains like that. Um, even if the economy does turn around here at, at some point in the, in the future. I don't know when that is, obviously, but at some point, um, I think we will get back to like a 2018, 2019 uh, more market stabilization point. When that is, I don't know. Obviously, for this particular card, you can see that it has dropped a lot in the last year. And um, it just kind of depends on when it does get to that flat point. But it'll take time to figure that out. Look at that absurd jump there. January of 2021, where it's like that, you know, usually you see like a drastically high spike followed by like a a downturn where that's like the highest point. Mm -hmm. But somebody like shot the market up right there and then it proceeded to stay there. Which is kind of weird to me. Well, th- this happened to be his uh, his eighth Super Bowl, right? Or seventh Super Bowl, sorry. Right, seventh, not eighth? Wins? Seven. Yeah, wins. Does he have seven? I, I thought it was seven. I, this sounds dumb right now, but why isn't Google showing me the instant number? Isn't it seven? I can't remember. <laughs> I try not to keep track of Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's seven. Okay, I was right. Okay. I was right. It's seven. I mean, um, yeah, that's around like the playoff time, but that's not. No, that's it. No, that's showing it's on like January twenty fifth. The Super Bowl is always in February. No, I know, but I feel like if I go to it, it might like the numbers are pretty cramped there. Is my point? Yeah, that's fair. I will get a good read on this. Oh, one twenty four. I guess that was when he made it to his last Super Bowl, and then it dropped down to seventy k, and then he won it, then went up to ninety two k. So I guess the people even just making it a Super Bowl were buying pretty hard. Um, that makes sense. But yeah, interesting, interesting for sure. Tech says, yo, yo, what's up, guys? How we doing, Tech? Disappointing uh, result today for sure. Um, 503 trading cards, buying trading cards every day no matter what. I guess it all depends on what the budget level is, right? Like there's definitely room to buy cards you know, each day if you if you adjust the means based on what's going on in the market. Um, I know I've kind of been like that um, over the last three months or so. And then um, – there was another comment here. Matthew Johnson. So if box, if prices of cards are going down, should box prices come down as well? And I have to say a resounding yes. Um, I think I think we have seen box prices come down over the last like year. Is it as much as maybe it should be to match the market? Not in every segment, I'd say that. I'd say in sub some segments, yes. Like I think soccer this year, just because we are so in tune to that box market, because um, we are breaking a lot and whatnot, and, and and the packs have become quite a bit more affordable. Like for 2021 soccer, I do feel like that the value of the boxes is matching quite a bit more the value of what's coming out of the product than maybe a lot of other releases we're seeing. 
Um, like Merlin when it was like two hundred twenty five dollars a hobby box, and now it's more, not up to like two sixty. Like that felt like good value. Stadium Club around like two hundred seems like good value for what's coming out of there. Um, you know, beam teams aren't like insanely hard to hit, but they're also like they sell quite well because they're very collectible. So like that's good product value, um, in my opinion. And and then like football, like I think that's another another world. Um, Panini has done a lot to release price box prices of boxes is way too much. I actually was quite surprised. When Panini listed 2022 Prism World Cup for only $425 a box, I think what they did was they looked and saw how big of a fail National Treasure Soccer was when they put that for $32.50 a box. I imagine they sold probably like less than 5% of the amount of stock that they set aside to sell like that because those box prices are much lower than that. Um, but for Prism World Cup, it actually did all sell out at $425. It took a few days, but now boxes are like over $500 or right at $500 um, on secondary markets. So that one, I mean, while it's still – you know, back in the day where they would release it kind of more closer to like a suggested retail price that, that obviously is not, but it, it still is, is better compared to the secondary market than what it was. What are real quick, I'm looking up um, prices for Prism White World Cup White Sparkle Packs. See if yeah, those are those are about $200 right now, Nate. So those and th- that too, that too, they released those at 80. And I thought that was extremely fair. Like that was one of the most fair valuations I thought. Um, in a while, and those all sold out extremely quickly, and they're about 200 on uh, secondary marketplaces. So it makes sense um, that that those products were selling it because they actually were good value provided uh, at the prices. Yeah, look at that. Skydev got hooked up by Nate for a $160 box. Shout out to uh, is that FG? Mm-hmm. There you go. Shout out to FG. Nice little uh, hookup from Nate right there. Um, okay, so and thank you to 503 subscribe. Always good content. Appreciate that. Please subscribe if you can. Like the video, it helps a lot. Next card in the long-term hold discussion, you know, PSA 10, Jordan Fleer. Now, obviously, this is a card that not many people can afford, which is fine. I can't either. Um, but the point here is that I just want to get the player, Michael Jordan, on the screen with a graph that's kind of easily viewable. Once you get onto the PSA 8, there's actually so many different sales data points that it's very difficult to see the differences. Um, but for this card, I mean, it was between like 15 and 30 grand. It was between like 15 and 30 grand for quite Ooh. some time. What? The, the your mic picked up your voice like and it just wow oh weird yeah very odd my camera's a little laggy right now too i'm not really sure what's going on with that um but this card was between like 15 and 30 grand for quite some time and then it, obviously you know the pandemic hits the card jumps up to around 100 grand and everything like that it goes up to 700 grand at one point drops all the way down to 200k and went back up again and has dropped down again but for this particular card um, when you say long-term hold, you kind of got to look at it from a lens of like, how long do I want to hold it? And, uh, when is the time to buy? And I, I don't want to advise on when's the time to buy a Jordan PSA 10 for $200,000. I'm not going to do that. Uh, that's not my place for sure to do that. It's kind of up to you as a collector. If that is your category, if that is your budget range. Um, but in my, 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 my point here is that we're trying to find these periods to where the market can subside. And we haven't had a period to the market has really been like, you know, kind of flat for a while a lot of this is quick changes up or down the brady as well um and until we get to that point with a card like this where maybe like you don't buy it exactly right now but instead you wait for like three months in a row and the card stays a similar value that might be like a good a good calling point to where it kind of was like that in the past then you can actually project a long-term gain off of it when buying on a massive steep incline or decline the risk is just so much higher um nate i don't know if you agree with that mm-hmm. cool and then I looked at the Peyton Manning because I brought Peyton Manning not because wow. he's not because he's necessarily in the category of like Tom Brady and, and Michael Jordan. He's obviously like kind of up there in, in a regard, but not that that esteem. My point with this was I want to see like what happened like from a player that was kind of playing through the 2000s retires, and what can you like expect after their career? Now this kind of got messed up because you know cards boom. This card went from it was like a thousand dollars up to like twenty five grand and what between like six month period between two sales however the point here is is that if you don't look at the massive spike and drop after like 2020 but instead you look more before that in 2004 this card was like four to five hundred dollars by the time that 2019 comes when he's already retired the card's like i think fifteen hundred dollars and it kind of was on a steady increase that whole time there wasn't anything that really made the card go up to 5k and back down to 2k like what's happening now but on a bigger scale like 25k to, to 15k um and and it kind of provided the, those steady gains so the point here is like that was that was a pretty healthy rise uh what we see more currently that's clearly not super healthy going up and then down up down up down 
it's just a lot of volatility right now versus that that stable period. Um, and I feel like you have to kind of find a stable period like this if you're actually going to buy um, with, with with confidence and maybe like high-end cards like these for a long, long-term gain. If your plan is to grade and sell and kind of find the right times to buy and sell with prospects, it's a little bit different story. I'm not talking about that right now. And then of all these examples, the only one that was really like, oh, that's a pretty steady gain was the 52 tops of Mickey Mantle. This, of course, is the SGC, SGC 3 in particular, but some PSA copies look pretty similar to where there was a spike in that early 2021, just like all high-end vintage and, and legend cards, and then it did drop thereafter. But in general, this card is mostly on the uh, upward trajectory, and it even is so You know, right now as of the most recent sale in November compared to even back in 2021. Obviously, some things with the vintage has to do with more of the eye appeal too. So I can definitely be plus or minus 20, 25% value easy. But we all can't buy 52 manos. Um, so that that's irrelevant from, uh, you know, what what's the card for you to buy long term. But I would say this. as a long-winded way to say when you're buying cards and you will say, do I want long term? I would say you really want to be happy with that card in your collection, no matter if it works out or not. If it works out and that thing gains a bunch of value over time, that's amazing. If you look up at the end of the day, 10 years from now, and you've got one of your favorite players you watch their entire career, and you're just very happy with that, and you're in a good spot, you know, personally, and, and it's within your financial means, then excellent. I'm sure you got a lot of joy out of it, too, and it's, that's what the collecting is all about. So that's my answer, Nate. I'm sure you do you agree with that stuff or have anything else to add? Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, you know, some of that doesn't pertain to, like, Mickey Mantle. I don't know about you, but... I happen to not watch Mickey Mantle play baseball. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but but from a from a cards we can afford standpoint, yeah, I'd much rather you know buy a, a Doka Azubuki at the point when I thought he could be a you know the starting center on the Jazz until they grabbed a bunch of guys. Is like, all right, I'm going to buy him, and if he's the starting center and he does a couple good things, sweet, I could probably sell. And if he doesn't, or if he doesn't become the starting center, I don't care. I've got, you know, I've got a guy I watched in college that I liked in college that is now in the NBA, and I'll collect those cards until I die. Like it. Like it. And Brooke uh, puts a, points out a great thing here, and we're definitely going to bring this up later. Um, older cards that they can't go back and overprint will continue to grow. There are more collectors than ever with loads more on the way with Fanatics. Modern cards, they just print more to meet demand. That is a great point. When they're making modern cards in real time, over the last two years especially, they're printing to meet demand. And if that demand changes, which in dollars and cents wise it has, it's just going to lead to market drops because there's so much supply out there. It's a very simple equation. Um, but I also agree with Brooke. There are way more collectors now than there were two to three years ago, even if we are with some cards to pre-COVID prices, as Global Sports Card Investor pointed out. The money is spread thinner between more things now. There are more people collecting more various things in the market than there were three years ago. And I'd also say that just all the new supply in the market is also taking up more money. And then obviously people are just spending within their means now too. However, the interest um, and, and the sheer number of people collecting, I do feel like it's still extremely high. Yes, there were people who were just in for the money that that are gone, which is why a lot of these prices are, in some cards are lower. However, the people who are here because they want to be here, there's a lot more of those people in there what they're worth three years ago. I can guarantee that. Guarantee it. Uh, real quick on that global. He said the car market in an overall view has dropped to around pre-COVID prices, but box prices haven't dropped nearly enough. Yeah, I missed that. And the one I always go back to yeah. is when we bought 2019 Tops Series um, 2. Series <laughs> 2. I think we bought Jumbos at 60 and regular at 40. I don't know if Jumbos were 60. Those are probably close to like 80, but still close. Dude, I don't think they were that high. Really? They were they were top 70 bucks. I thought that the I would never have spent eighty dollars at the time on a on a box. Okay. All right, um, because that would have been insane. That would have been insane, insane to me. It's not insane anymore, but at the time it would have been insane, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, they were definitely cheaper than that. I know the regular hobby was like forty. Regular hobby right now is like a hundred, and, um, and they print more too. And they print more, so like that's my like that's my barometer until regular hobby gets down to forty. You know um and then across the board with every other release um the prices are too high and, and that just and it's we're gonna find that out pretty quickly it depends on how much back stock there's gonna be you know they're gonna find out fast of, of the releases in 2022 like we're coming up to the end of the year i'm sure that manufacturers all manufacturers included this is not any one in particular 
well, look at the mob product that's sold and look at how much there is in backstock or even the distributors along the path and see if, you know, what the prices shake out to. Because obviously that, that stuff needs to be at price to where collectors are willing to kind of pay that, you know, to open up those series two hobbies. And I don't know how many collectors, and there's obviously people, but can continue to sustain opening up those series two hobbies at that price. Correct. Especially if the singles aren't bringing the value to, to justify. Yeah, because you can't, you know, the justification of those prices, at least for flagship, was that you could get, 200 bucks on a fernando tatis psa 10 right um or at least at least that's what that became so then 2020 went became more expensive 2021 became more expensive because you could grade base cards and make money yeah that's pretty much gone Mm -hmm. like you could do that i suppose but i don't think they're going to be you know maybe a julio rodriguez psa 10 or sgc 10 is 30 40 bucks right right that's not a conceivable path to making money off of a hundred dollar box anymore i agree i agree and we saw what the backlog did to all those people, including yourself and myself for other categories, did to the cards that sat there, you know, when they had that thought. Because mm-hmm. it was easy to justify to yourself to rip a box if that was the case. But didn't I, I ripped, I ripped, you, you remember, yeah. I ripped so much 2020 uh, Tops flagship Series 1 because I was like, you got the Yordans and Boba Shets and stuff. And then if one other guy like a Kyle Lewis or a, um, you know, Bubba Starling or something pops off, you're, you're golden. And you're expecting like three months in the turnaround for grading, which ended up not being the case, as a lot of people found out. <laughs> yeah. uh, next one here from uh, Hum Baby Collections. Future of Tops. Future of Tops is all that was left. And with that, it's kind of like, all right, well, what do I put here? And my thought was they got so many licenses. Tops slash Fanatics has so many licenses. This isn't even all of them on the screen. I just put in the ones I could think of just right away off the top of my head, obviously. And that's not all of them. Not, they're not all this exact second, but. NFL, they're going to have. NBA, they're going to have. MLB, they got the three big sports. They've got Formula One, obviously. They have Champions League Soccer. They have Bundesliga Soccer. And they're going to have UEFA Euro 2024. That's going to be hosted in Germany, which will be sweet to see some Topps Chrome uh, hey, Euro cards. Explain to me like I'm an idiot. What is the Euro? That's just that's just all the European countries competing against each other? Correct. So every four years that happens. The World it's Cup like- minus Africa Asia, South America, and North America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So every every four years, it's like the Winter and Summer Olympics alternates with the World Cup. Um, and they do the Euro. But at the same time, they do like Copa America for like South America where Messi just won that Argentina. And then they hold some different ones for like North America and stuff like that. So there is different cups kind of happening around the world. Um, so the, North, the North American one is is um, USA, Canada, Mexico. USA and Mexico. Yeah. But remember, like Costa Rica um, and teams like that. I suppose those. I suppose those are not technically. I always think of them as Central America, like that's a continent, but that's not a continent. Yeah, it's 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 more of a culture, I guess. I'd say than a continent, obviously. Um, But so yeah, so on the on the off years from World Cup, they do that, and then they have WWE, or they're going to get a license to WWE, like Panini got for like what two years. Now it's getting ripped away, Uh, and then also all the non sports, Star Wars, Garbage Pail Kids, Stranger Things, different things like that. Many different ones. I'm sure they're adding. Uh, The future of Tops and Fanatics is going to be your collecting journey for the next decade plus um so if you uh if you aren't comfortable with tops products yet like let's say you're a football and a basketball modern collector since 2012 but you maybe since 2014 i should say because that's or 2015 was really last year tops football but either way if you collected football and basketball recently without collecting the tops versions of those cards i really recommend getting familiar with the top sets for baseball currently or the top sets in the past because those are going to be coming back you're going to want to you know, make sure you can understand that just as you do now with the Panini sets, because um, this is the future. It's going to be a lot of different licenses, a lot of different products that will be in your collecting uh, wheelhouse. So there you go. Kevin, I don't know if Kevin's in the chat tonight, um, but Kevin says, how do we educate the newer hobby entrants on the history of the hobby? So Kevin's who I pointed out at the very beginning. I say some of the question. This was it. So this is a pretty difficult um, question to tackle because I think that there's a lot of ways that it can be done. Um, it can be through different forms, written, video, podcasts, whatever it might be. But to actually hit on all the points that kind of hit on all the history, I feel like a lot of it's up to the individual itself, like myself. Like, let's say I want to go and learn about some type of stuff from the early 2000s that maybe I didn't collect when I was younger. I could probably go and find out information on it um, by using Google and just looking up those things. I'm not saying that, you know, even ourselves um, shouldn't do a better job of this because we probably, we should do a better job of this is, you know, bring it. And Nate does the, this day in history thing for, for the daily slab every once in a while. I know that might not be exactly not like, technically card. 
but but I you mean, still you still card, but yeah. it's more sport focused than card. And I'd say you, you bring in cards into it, you know, every once in a while. Like I remember you did like the Emmett Smith and the Herschel Walker thing, or Tony Dorsett and Herschel Walker, whatever it was. Like that's still stuff that a lot of people would never hear about if you didn't talk about it. You know, like those types of cards and that type of population between the cards. Um, I do think it just does come down to to a lot of um, the the individuals, and like I said, myself included, taking taking the time to want to learn that stuff. Um, we can put out as much as we want on on the history of the hobby, but also a lot of that stuff could just be scrolled past because it doesn't have to do with the here and now. And and of course, you know the problem with the history of it is that number one, you're not forced into learning about it in grade school or middle school or junior high or high school with uh, with like social studies. But we're talking all the way back to 19, or to eighteen eighty eight, Allen and Ginter camel <laughs> cards and stuff like that's the start of, or maybe even before that. Um, but that's the start of, you know, the hobby history technically. Mm-hmm. And like, um, like personally, do I think it's cool that those exist? Yes. Do I really care? So then you have to figure out what people care about because it's like. You know, somebody somebody that wants to know the history might, just might not care about 1950s baseball. They just want to know about 2012 and beyond basketball. I, I would say it depends on the areas that people collect. Like, I think if you collect cards or buy and sell cards in like the mid or 2010s or now into the 2020s, it's very important to understand the late 90s and the early 2000s to see how a lot of those cards derived especially the ones that hold value long term like that stuff i think is super important so like let's say you do maybe collect like 1950s and eight tops maybe it's more important for you then to go back and learn about 1930s gaudi or something like that because that's kind of mm-hmm. how this stuff progresses so maybe it's not an overall view for everyone but it's like you kind of take where you're collecting you go back a certain amount of years kind of figure out how that stuff that you're collecting now came to be like the scopes the optic scopes like they don't hold much value but the scopes derived from 1997 metal universe pmgs which are insanely expensive. Like that's the first time that parallel ever really came to be. And I think some of this kind of happens when you uh, maybe newer collectors isn't towards anyone. Like this is just what happens once you kind of join in and start learning about saying given time, you learn about the gold vinyl one of one with Panini. They, when I hear people <laughs> look at a super fraction from tops and call it a gold vinyl, that really does break my heart. Because that super fractor is the card, like super fractor is the card. Tops created the super fractor. Panini made the same design, called the gold vinyl, called it the gold power. So now they have two different names for it, mm-hmm. uh, depending on if it's soccer or like. Uh, that is that is by far my biggest pet peeve. My <laughs> second biggest pet peeve is when you have a refractor from Tops Chrome and somebody calls it a hollow, or a silver, or a silver. Yeah, so like there's different names for things that you definitely don't want to be in tune to because it, it just does have it has real history and it has real meaning to, to other people, but that does just come down to really understanding the time frames that you're collecting from. Um we'll bring up a couple of comments here. Did Kevin, Brooke, I, so this is Brooke Kevin changes uh I think so. Brooke changes profile picture to dog midstream. Shout out to Brooke. Kevin says, I also think I hear a lot from people who think they've thought of something for the first time and don't realize there have been a couple iterations of that concept. That's also a good point. And that is kind of what I bring up about like the super factor versus the gold vinyl. That's a very basic example. You might be talking about something more complex, but it's true is that a lot of these things kind of have been played out over time. And you definitely see sets kind of model, model themselves after different things as time goes on to between the manufacturers. Um, and, yep. Real quick, real quick, because you just reminded me of something that I wanted to ask you, and I'm going to ask you live on air. What would you say if you know you have a historic, you have a historic parallel? I don't know. Um, take blue t- Bowman Chrome blue out of 150 autos. That's pretty historic, right? Mm-hmm. What would you say if they uh, hypothetically removed it from 2022 Bowman Chrome? What, what would I say about like, oh man, I'm mad or like, oh man, these old blues should be more expensive. I'm, I'm considered, I'm like, I think, I think it'd be terrible. I don't think they should remove blues. I love blues. Oh, okay. Because they did. No. Yeah. There's no, there's no prospect blue. Uh, there's rookie blue autos. There's no prospect straight blue auto. Oh, you're playing with me. I'm not playing with you. I need someone to fact check Nate and also fact check me because I'm looking. Is Nate right or wrong? Do other people have other people read it too? I'm on the checklist, cardboardconnection.com. All of the time, all the checklist needs. Base set. 
Bowman Chrome Prospects that checklist. So you're saying they have non auto prospect auto. I don't, I haven't checked the yeah. non auto. So non auto they have blues. Okay. You're telling me that all that they have is blue ray wave? And 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 the choice, the blue mojo, but it's not even called blue, it's just called choice. So you're telling me Isn't I that crazy? You're telling me that I will never be able to own a first Bowman Chrome blue auto of Jackson Churio. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That really hurts. Dude, it's it's wild. And I, I feel like something had to have happened. Yeah. With the production of the blues specifically. Yeah, we don't we not anybody because I can't imagine that Tops would purposely do this. Yeah, we don't know. Like we don't know why, obviously, so it's hard to say, but like, yeah, no. <laughs> I, at first I thought I don't know if you were just trying to be like funny or what, but uh, that's real. No. Yeah. Wow. I did I I you you brought something up that reminded me and I kept meaning to ask you, so I figured I'd ask you now. There you go. Wow, that is wild. Peg Junk, what's the tops comp to Noir? Uh, Peg Junk, right now there probably is not a tops comp to Noir. So we'll see if that comes in the future, if they like Noir enough to kind of – Oh, actually there is. I take that back. Not thick stock, but tops Deco Soccer is the comp to Noir. It's kind of made off of like the movie scene type of deal. Uh, super sick cards. I love them. The new Deco just released, and it's going to be coming out uh, pretty soon here. Um. Global says building strong, building strong communities is the best way to educate yourself in this hobby. That is totally fact. You might be sitting here. You might say, Aaron, I don't care about soccer. And I don't care about baseball. And you might be a massive basketball fan. And I do encourage you to stay here and interact with us because I really enjoy having you here. But it's very important to learn from people that really know their stuff in specific categories um, too. So like if you're a baseball person, like great. You know, if, if Nate brought that up with Bowman Chrome, you're probably like, oh, it's awesome info. Or I knew that already, but now I'll say something to Nate. Like that's just the type of back and forth you kind of need if you're trying to learn a lot about a specific segment um, or cards in the hobby. So, Hey, real quick, because mm-hmm. Needham, Needham, um, got him, got him, asked this question. Yeah, I was going to pull that up next. Oh, yeah. What up, guys? Great show. Nate, question. What is the difference between a Bowman First Auto and a Mega Box Prospect Auto? What should the difference in value be? So the difference is essentially the... Bowman first comes out in Bowman Chrome or Bowman Baseball um, or Bowman Draft, though I don't think they have mega boxes for Bowman Draft. So, um, and the mega box variation comes out of a uh, what used to be a Target exclusive, um, I think, but I don't. Yeah, know if they, they still, used to be Target exclusive. I don't know if it's still a Target exclusive. There's um, no way mega box <laughs> variation, though. I feel like I've only seen them at Target. I don't think I've seen them at walmart ever okay um, so maybe they can't sell them at walmart but they de- i feel like they definitely have to be able to sell them elsewhere like i haven't seen them at meyer i'm more saying like retailers nate like card retailers online or like through their own website oh, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. like there's a lot of distribution amount methods I, I get that yeah um and and that's where the mega box autos come from and so it's not technically a first because it didn't come out and it's it's like the bowman baseball mega box is in correlation with the bowman hobby box releases but afterwards so it's not technically the same thing and they don't put first logo on it which is why a lot of people don't value them close to the same amount um yeah. like i just looked up and you know most of these but they do all... put a first logo on the non-autos correct correct which is interesting too riddle me this yeah right um Jordan says, why don't they consult you on this? Nate, I, like, like Nate said, I'm sure they have plenty of thought uh, progression with the blue auto, and there has to be probably some reason why it didn't happen. Uh, Sky Div, I can't wait for Deco to release. Yes, I'm very excited about that. Um, Sean says, since this is the last Prism Panini Cup World Cup set as a standalone, is it a hold or is there way too much printed to care? So, Sean, there is certain amounts I would say don't you maybe shouldn't care about, like fat, uh, what's it called breakaway. I'm like the disco stuff 10 years from now, five years from now. I don't know how many people are going to care about it. Hey, here's a classic question for you though. What? If you pull the disco one-on-one, would you be upset? Nope. Cause I'd sell it right away and, and make good money on it. Um, so, but Sean, the, the thing is, is that we don't know necessarily what is going to happen to this license yet. Now, given that tops acquired, Top slash fanatics acquired the Euro license, the UEFA Euro license. It it brings me some thought that like, yo, by 2026, there's probably not going to be Panini with with FIFA. Um, now we don't, I don't know, I have no idea. You know, I don't know anything about that. So at some point here, we might find something out. But you're right, this could be the last Prison World Cup set. Now the better question, maybe, which while that is a good question, the better question maybe is what happens to Prism in general. If there's no NFL, if there's no NBA, and eventually there's no World Cup, Prism being released, do people still value this set six years from now, 
when fanatics and tops are making all the tops chrome and stuff like that to the point to where do they go in and then say buy the 2017 tops chrome mbappe blue refractors the 2019 tops chrome champions league for a more cheaper option versus you know a prism 2022 world cup card and i would say this the fact that there has been no fifa tops products yes people definitely still care about um the world cup stuff you know years from now this specific product hobby it seems like that there's less supply out there now I don't know if that's actually less supplier people holding the product is very hard to know that. So I'd be very careful right now. If you are, you know, watching the prices go up a little bit because we saw formula one, the prices went up on formula one, 2022 boxes over a thousand dollars. And they came out very quickly because more supply hit the market. And yes, world cup does have retail product. They have blasters. I heard they put all the best inserts in blasters too. So also another warning. Oh, man, sign. I'm excited. I hope to find some in the wild. So that's exciting for people to rip it. Right. But it, it what's not maybe as much exciting for is for people that are buying the national landmarks, manga and color wheels out of the hobby set within the first few weeks of release. I'd say be very careful buying those inserts with those inserts being in retail. We don't know how many are going to be out there when it's all said and done. Yeah. I appreciate all the questions right now too, by the way, we're only, you know, on slide eight, we're going to have to pick it up the pace a little bit yeah. here. But um, I appreciate all the questions coming in the chat. Um, uh, thank you, Jordan, by the way. That's very nice of you to say. Thanksgiving week. Want you both to know I'm thankful for you. Your content is always entertaining. You're both positive every day. Thank you. Jordan, I appreciate that. You've been supporting us for a long time. Come here every time. And like we said last night, um, without all of you, there is there is no slap stacks here every week, every day. Um, so we really do appreciate that. Um, it does mean a ton. Holy yeah, Lord. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I want to talk about this. I should have had a slide in here and we will get through more of these questions uh, in the presentation. But Matthew Johnson said, are you guys going to talk about, talk, be talking about the timing of selling cards like the Jefferson Instagram post? So I put up a Justin Jefferson Instagram post today um, that looked at some Justin Jefferson cards over the last week and over the last month and pointed out that, hey, a couple of these cards are dropping in value um, compared to when they were increasing in value um, after the Bills game. He had an amazing game against the Bills. 200 yards, a touchdown, like game-winning catches basically is what it came down to, and game-saving catches. Last week, it wasn't necessarily his fault against the Cowboys. The team, the offensive line was terrible. They did terrible, but he had like 20 yards, right? So like not much statistics. Um, some people took the post extremely poorly, and I understand what, you know, what, why, where people are coming from. But I want to point out that when we produce content on sales and sales data, there is a goal with each post for people to read them and to like learn something different about why this happened. So these cards in particular is pointing out like, hey, Justin Jefferson, first of all, has made people a lot of money over the season. He's done great. The cards have went up in value the last three or three months. But specifically looking at a tighter time frame, it's like, hey, once Justin Jefferson has a 200-yard game and a touchdown against the Bills, if you're buying it prospectively to sell, not just to hold in your collection, I collecting and, and buying and selling are two different things in my opinion, but they can be the same thing eventually. Um, it's probably not the best time to buy it after that massive game because you know the instant that there isn't a massive game, those cards just aren't going to have as much interest. And I think it's a very important thing to point out for people to understand that you know you should be careful about that. Um, we post plenty of cards, I, I feel, that go up in value. So it also is, is in my opinion, you know, our responsibility to cover the market fairly both ways. I'll post about Jude Bellingham's cards going up in three days because he scored a goal in today's World Cup, youngest teenager since 1998 for England to do so. But it also means we got to cover the ones that are dropping value once something great doesn't happen. So that's why it has nothing to do with, you know, putting people down that that bought the cards maybe a week ago because they're excited about about his game against the Bills. I think that's awesome. I've impulse bought. I've been excited purchasing after big moments for players on my team. Um, but that, that's where the, the thought is coming from. And I think that everyone does need to kind of read each post from a lens of like, what can I learn from this versus like, this is just being negative. Cause I don't feel like that that post was, was negative in my opinion. It was more pointing out that like, that is your selling window a lot. Like you have to be very careful about selling window right now. When there's an opportunity that comes around, they're not going to come around very often uh, as of right now in like a down economy. So when it does come around, I feel like taking advantage of it is, is quite a good idea. If you don't want to hold the cards for like over a year or two. Um, and that's what I have to say on that. Um, okay. We should move on. Yeah, we are. And Skydiv, I am going to talk about the case break for tomorrow at the end of the episode. Uh, so please stick around to hear about that. Two case break going down tomorrow for Prison World Cup. Very excited. When will people realize vintage is more stable and how high will it soar when they do? So I need to switch up the thing a little bit because I want to point out the last uh, since 2020, the start okay. of 2020, um, right before the pandemic until now. And this is the vintage uh, index on card ladder it includes a bunch of different vintage cards between like 19 
1940 and or 1944 or something like that and 1986 over the last two and a half years or nearly three years it's gained 256 percent and from the vintage peak in august it kind of peaked around august here it's dropped 3.3 percent now if you go to the next slide this is just high-end cards in general and this can include vintage cards but includes high-end cards modern cards too it's increased 292 percent since the start of 2020 but from the vent uh, sorry from the peak of the vintage market so i just went from august this wasn't going to the peak of the high-end market because this would be much bigger drop since then but from august it's decreased 18 percent. this includes a bunch of modern cards in this index so yeah vintage has been much more stable you can see it with your you know just by looking at the screen um if you're listening to podcast obviously you can't look at it but you can see by looking at the screen here that it's just flat it's a lot flatter over the last um, year and a half than high end, which has kind of exploded a lot faster than also decreased much faster. So in my eyes, um, vintage cards, it's like you really need to you really need to enjoy it and you really need to find meaning in a card to want to do it. I don't think just buying vintage cards because it, it, you're like, oh, it's stable. Like you, you probably might not buy something you understand or you might not buy something you really want in your collection. Like for me, I got Hank Aaron and Jackie Robinson. Those are my two vintage cards. I maybe have a couple other just smaller ones, but that's why I really enjoy and I, I like them. So um, I, I, I don't I don't know if sore is the good word to put with vintage because I think that that kind of takes the market out of the context of what it is. Yeah. I appreciate that you brought up the last point because that was going to be my point. You know, when will people realize vintage is more stable? I think plenty of people realize it. Yeah. Um. I mean, <laughs> you know, we've been in this a long time. I realize it. I just don't have any interest, you know, like, do I think that there are a few cards, right, that would maybe be int- of interest of me, like a Bart Star or something like that, you know, where you're a Packer fan your entire life and you've been hearing about Bart Star, but like otherwise, I mean, I don't, I don't have interest in a 1965 Mickey Mantle or a 1963 Mickey Mantle or anything like that. So even though I know it's more stable, um, like enjoyment wise, I wouldn't get any enjoyment out of it. So I'd rather buy. I'd rather buy an Ellie De La Cruz from 2022, despite knowing the risk to it. Right. And that's a great point that 503 train cards had here. I don't buy vintage because I didn't grow up watching those guys. I grew up watching Derek Jeter and A-Rod. 2000s, all sports I buy, 2000s until now. And tons of upper deck and tops from 2003 with Wade Bosch, Ron, and Mello. You buy things you relate to. And that's very true. And I find that with myself more often than not, pretty much all the time, actually. Um, And it's hard to relate to things like, um, a Johnny Bench, like I've no really desire to own that. Even though I've understood, I can look at the graph. I can see it's made people money, but like I just, it's hard for yeah. me to buy it. I mean, like my dad, you know, my dad would love to own a Johnny Bench. Uh, grew up in Philadelphia, you know that type of yeah. stuff. But for me, uh, his Johnny Bench would be my. I mean, I don't even know if I have an a, a equivalent because the Brewers have not had a Hall of Fame player in my lifetime so far, but. You know, my his Johnny Bench would be my Ryan Braun or something, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, MA card collection. Will LaMelo ever sign his redemptions or will it always be a scarce gem in the future? Well, first of all, I, I have no idea if LaMelo will sign his redemptions. I could call him up right now. No, I'm just kidding. I can't call him. Um, I, I don't know. Um, will he, will he not? I don't know how many of you have made in the market that were redemptions. I feel like not many, especially if this is a question. I do know he had autos inserted into optic contenders, national treasures, and maybe one other set, um, one or two other sets. So he hasn't had autos inserted many sets, and I do think so. I think if these redemptions don't get fulfilled, as clearly over the years Panini has failed to redeem, uh, redeem a lot of redemptions, and if he hasn't signed yet, what's going to make him sign in the next like year or actually six months? Looking at this, these uh, Lamella redemptions expire in 2023 early for Optic. Um, I'm not sure what will. So if it's me, I would definitely not spend 1850 on this optic hollow auto redemption i'd way rather go find an optic contenders on card auto if you really want one and know you have it and then if they don't come out then yeah there's a lower amount of rookie autos out there scarcity matters hey real quick i realized i had a snafu there you said johnny bench he has a red and i was thinking mike mike schmidt Schmidt. (laughs) so but same 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 thing applies you know when when you're talking i'm like johnny bench really play for the phillies (laughs) i was like kind of like scratching my head he did not yeah, Cincinnati Reds, but Red Hat, eh, close enough. Yeah, close enough. But Mike Schmidt was who I was thinking of. My dad loves Mike Schmidt. There you go. 
Uh, and here's an on Carlo Marlo optic auto at 25. So for 3,300, um, October 22nd, 2022, uh, Papa Slabs' birthday. But I way rather like just put the extra money into that or find a similar $1,850 on card auto of Lamella versus Bayern Redemption. Well, so here's my question Why are there some redeemed and why are there some not? Big, I'm gonna sign for a oh, couple. That's sets. an optic hollow, yeah. So yeah, maybe so just signed optic contenders because that's the only right. autos I've ever seen. I and think. NT, and NT, yeah. So yeah, no, he it, it's two different sets. I know that it'll. It's maybe it wasn't the wisest choice to pick the optic hollow auto versus optic containers, but two different sets. 503 train cards is bringing some big support. Thanksgiving soon. I'm thankful for 503 train cards. Said you guys are the best content on YouTube, make podcasts. I'll listen every day for the rest of my life. Well, that's a true collector right there. I really appreciate that. I really hope you don't get sick of my voice eventually. I'm sure you won't get sick of Nate's. Uh, pretty easy to listen to. I, said, I have they, they, they say I have a voice for radio. <laughs> Not and a face for radio. Too. <laughs> what do you think happens to current Panini and Tops cards uh, after Fanatics' takeover? So, Tops cards, I think nothing. I mean, Tops is still making cards. Uh, Panini cards is is definitely interesting. I think you can like look at Upper Deck. Um, there's definitely been great appreciation for Upper Deck sets over the year, like Exquisite, um, SP Authentic for for different cards and players and stuff like that because of how important those cards were to certain players and how nice the designs were and stuff like that and pmg is for skybox it's just gonna be a matter of what sets are those for panini 10 years from now we don't have the answer right like select might be nice today for a lot of people maybe 10 years from now select might be nothing who knows i um, mean three years ago select was much nicer than it is today for yeah me, so, right? so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens um yeah. so I, I I can't say for certain, but it's I what I can say is that five years from now, ten years from now, people will look up and say, Does that set actually matter? There's a lot of upper deck sets that people dismiss because they didn't matter and because they don't look that great. And that's gonna be even worse, I think, with the mob sets of Panini has produced, you know, over the years and changed them and put them into chronicles and didn't put them into chronicles, different things like that. Um so we, Brooke, we can tell them what will happen to Tops cards after Fanatics takes over. I said they'll keep making them. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And you'll find basketball tops chrome and basketball tops and NFL tops chrome. And exactly. And stuff. Brick Peterson, he signed my Cronorail silhouette redemption. Well, I guess he has signed a couple of redemptions, Lamelo. So maybe. Maybe he's uh, doing maybe. one a like week. <laughs> Signing one a week? Yeah. We'll see. Julian. Uh, Slime Julian, what are your thoughts on the F1 market? So uh, we'll go through this pretty quick. So this is a George Russell Patro number five um, dynasty. If you see this and you say, hey, it looks familiar. That's because, yeah, we do own a similar card like this. And it did sell uh, two nights ago for $3,500, which is quite off, quite off what not only we bought it from, but the peak of what they were kind of selling for in PSN 9, so for like 16K. Uh, all I got to say is if you don't have to auction a card right now, um, don't, don't, don't do it. Don't don't do it. Just just hold on to your cards. George Russell's once first F one race. Um, two three years from now we might look up and uh, Mercedes might be you know back on top and George Russell's gonna be leading that charge along with Lewis. And uh, I have to say there there's probably greener grass. Do you, you think Lewis is still gonna be racing two to three? Oh, years? Wait, if you asked me like towards the end of last year, like beginning of this year, I would said no, he won't be because I thought that they were gonna do really well this year. If he would have won, he would like retire pretty soon. But that man's hungry, bro. He's like, I want to race for five more years now. And I think it's really going to take him getting the eighth championship is when he'll probably be like, okay with retiring or five years is going to be like his time limit or something like that. I mean, Alonzo's like 42 or something and still racing 43. So Lewis is probably, if he can do it, I can do it. Um, and uh, yeah, but my point here is if you, if you don't have to auction cards, uh, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. But uh, I, I do think that there is definitely, like, I, I still watch all F1 races and, and everything like that. Um, and I love it, but it, it does really take, you know, when there's a, only a right now, the market's still small, the overall market base. And when there's the same exact market base or less for the same cards that keep popping up for sale, those prices just keep on shrinking because the people are satisfied. I have my, my nice F1 cards. I don't need to buy more F1 cards right now because I like my collection, you know, so that takes my money off the table. And then who, how many people are like me who have built the nice F1 collection, you know, like that's just kind of how that happens until the market really does grow substantially. We'll probably see stuff like this. Uh, question for you, real quick. Yeah. So obviously, you know, like in the past, like I don't know how big golf cards were, but Tiger Woods, I'm assuming, probably propped up that entire market. Um, and I know that's not similar as today, but when you have somebody as dominant as Max Verstappen was this year, um, does that, you know, is that like that helps because? you have that storyline that people can glam onto where it's like 
uh, casuals are like, oh, Max Verstappen is just so unbelievably good in F1 this year. Even I, a casual, have heard about it. Or is it bad because, you know, you're not getting any competition from the rest of these guys. And so, like, people are buying off of a dude getting ninth place and getting a point for the first time as opposed to actually having to win. No, I think that the overall interest in viewership was definitely down towards the end of the season in particular because Max won so many races and because the championships were so wrapped up. I, I don't think that helped at all having it. I think for F1 as a sport and then the cards just after that to be like really in like a solid place is to truly have like five teams fighting for a podium any given race and like three teams fighting for a race win. A lot of times this year is either one team fighting for a win, two teams at best, rarely three. There's maybe one time it's three. Um, and then there's, you know, only one podium. Um, if my memory serves correct, outside of the the three top teams this year, that was Lando. I don't think any Alpines or any other teams got on podium. So like that does really take out, I think, a lot of the the it factor when there's less competitions dispersed out. And I think if they can get to that point with the new regulations, I think it'll do do wonders for the interest. Uh <laughs> There are some comments about uh, Toro saying that Mercedes will be uh, much better next year, which I think is going to be true. They're really good the second half of the year. 503 says Russell is the future. He drives from Mercedes, and they cheat their cars are the fastest because they cheat with mods. That's <laughs> not right, funny. Comment funny. Uh, moving on. The playing field. Thanks for the comment. Does SGC grade booklets? And the answer is no, not right now. I know they are working towards eventually grading booklets, and I really hope that they do start grading booklets soon. So we don't have to look at any more of these magazine-sized booklet holders. This is a Giannis Logoman Auto. Nate, look at this thing. Giannis Logoman, along with, uh, honestly, I have no idea who that is. Who? Pistons number 13? Yeah, I have no, I'll tell you in a second here. Um, that happens to be uh, Datome. Who, who is this? This is... Doesn't it say on the logo, on the label up yeah, top? Yeah, but it doesn't say his first name. Luigi Datome or Datomi or Datome. I don't even no know. Who that Never heard of that guy in my entire life. Nope. <laughs> Ian. Ian says just saying go Oconia. That city is uh, right next to where I went to high school. I was trying Ian. I remember seeing another stream before. Um, yeah, that's all I got. SGC eventually hopefully starts grading booklets, but this massive magazine sign booklet. And size booklet is not it. That's a lot of plastic for no reason. <laughs> oh, that's from BGS, by the way, for those listening to podcasts. Uh, can Jose Altuve overcome the cheating scandal? And will we see his card values go up in value? Funny enough, Nate, someone else posted another question after we already gathered them all that said, uh, is Jose Altuve is either undervalued or overvalued? I can't remember. So people uh, have Jose Altuve in the mind. Um, well, number one, they only had one card on the card ladder for Jose Altuve, and it was it was this. Yeah, there's no update PSA 10. <laughs> there's no. Uh, so that was a little surprising, but yeah. you can see that you know, um, 2021 kind of you know people really hating on the Astros. 2020 people really hating on the Astros, and this card is up in price from that point. Um, you can clearly see that. So clearly, it hasn't held him down that much. That being said. I don't think he'll ever be able to overcome this. And there's going to be a lot of people that never forgive him. And to an extent, there's going to be people that never forgive the Kyle Tuckers and the Jordan Alvarez's just for being associated with the Astros, even though they did not, they, they weren't, weren't there the themselves. And so right or wrong, the Astros organization is going to be marred by this for probably a very long time for as long as people remember it and, you know, and them winning. If they start losing, people will forget. I think that it would also take uh, like a whole team turnover, like no Alex Bregman there anymore, like players yeah. that were there, like, but you know, they kind of, once they dissipate, um, maybe, maybe it would be different. Now they are lucky. I feel they had Dusty Baker as manager this year. Cause I feel like some people kind of were like, yeah, oh, but Dusty Baker, Baker. Yeah. you can't, you can't, but it is, it is interesting how something as random as this has gone up in price. And yet, this we're talking about a dude that was on pace for 3000 hits that was on pace, you know, that won a championship that won MVPs. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't ever think he, he comes back clean from it. And there are going to be people guaranteed. There are going to be a lot of people that will refuse to buy Jose Altuve because of it. Tech. I did hear prison world cup blasters are out. They hit like target or something today, right? Doing the Netherlands game. I think, oh man, uh, now I got to beat oh, tech to all the Fred Myers in the area. <laughs> All right, last few ones here. How far do you think the U.S. men's national team make it in the World Cup? Um, I 
today's not winning was was a big big uh it wasn't good um drawing did not help uh what it will take is going to be better than losing what i said better than losing better than losing but it's really going to take destroying iran and and not getting destroyed by england that's what's going to come down to um if we can just lose by like a goal to england or draw and then destroy iran i think we can do it because i think wales is going to lose england and we hope that Wales england just destroys wales and i think we'll probably be on around 16 you heard it here first aaron hates wales um the uh the animal so human or the uh, animal activists are gonna have to come after you now yes Once i hope England that wales destroy all wales <laughs> someone takes that clip plays it just the audio no video <laughs> uh, the packaholics how do you navigate card shows i feel like i made a lot of mistakes so first of all to the second half of this if you make mistakes in the card market please sit there and say to yourself I am not the only one. I make mistakes literally like every other week, probably. I am still, you know, buying cards myself. I'm buying product for breaks. I'm, I'm doing all these different things. I'm making card market reports. You know, Nate is too. He's doing a lot of that stuff. And we make mistakes all the time. We, I have been making mistakes for 15 years, everyone, ever since I collected. Now, I make less mistakes now than I did at the start, but that means a lot. You kind of got to go through the motions to understand these things. When you're first grading cards, you'll make a lot of mistakes, but then you'll learn. When you go to shows and maybe you don't get the best price because you you just you didn't want to negotiate or or you saw a card that that you didn't know the value and then your cell phone wasn't working or something like that, like you'll kind of figure out how to do those things for next time. Now I don't know exactly what the mistakes are, um, the packaholics that that were occurring. So it's kind of hard for me to advise like in that sense. However, navigating card shows, I think it really does take going into the show and kind of understanding what a goal is. Are you trying to find a nice high-end card for your collection? Are you trying to go and find raw cards to look through in dollar bins, $3 bins, $5 bins, so you can come away with a stack of 20, and then from that 20, you want to grade five? Like, if you kind of have these different goals in your head, certain budget amounts set, you can focus on doing that, and I think you'll be much more successful. Maybe walk in and kind of trying to figure out what it is you want to do once you see all these different things, because then you feel like you have to buy these things, you have to buy a card, but if it doesn't fit in your plan, then forget about it. When I was at the Toronto show, I loved the Toronto show. That show is amazing. It was one of the best shows I've ever been to because I went there and said, I'm just going to buy raw soccer cards. That I can find raw hockey cards that fit into the budget. Just about every single card was between like a dollar and like $30 max or a couple that were like 50. And then about one card that was like $400 that weekend. And that was the most expensive card. And when I did that, it really gave me the ability to focus on in on those segments. And, and I was able to spend a little more time looking through those bins and really understand what I was looking at. And I felt much better about it. Um, and all that stuff. So Nate, I don't know if you have a, something to add to that, but um, yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, every card show I've been to, I probably had a mistake. Um, when we were at Las Vegas, there was an Owen White orange. He was a guy I wanted, and there was a PSA ten. I wasn't expecting to see it, and I knew I was probably overpaying, but I paid four hundred dollars for it. Guaranteed, that card's probably like one hundred fifty bucks, two hundred bucks, you know, tops. And like, I just couldn't walk away from it because I knew it was there. And at the time, you're like, I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. It clearly a huge mistake. And this was I mean, this is coming from a guy who, you know, talked about prospects, who tries not to get emotionally connected to cards, this and that, um, at least cards that he's looking to sell in the future. And uh, I've been there. And then just this past national, you know, we bought a huge Star Wars card lot. And I warned Aaron, I was like, look, I don't have time to check all these comps. So it could be a mistake or it could work out. By and large, it. I mean, you know, we, we, I don't think we made money on it. It was fun. Close. Not, not, no, it wasn't, it wasn't great, but it's fun. Yeah, but it's fun. And, um, we also had a moment where somebody came up with a, uh, Christian Yelich Sapphire out of 25 PSA nine. He had just had a little bit of a five game hot streak. And I was like, Aaron, I don't think we're going to see this card again. We got a couple of Jackson Truers. We're up on a little bit. Maybe we trade these. Um, and get this card and see what happens. And if not, we still have the card. And it's like, hey, we still have the card. I love it. I would probably still do it. But those Jackson Churios went up to like $400 a piece. And so it was basically like we paid $800 for maybe a $125 card, you know? Yeah. Or gave up $800, not necessarily paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it's like, it's like we've been doing this for years. We've been to a many card shows. And just in the last year and a half, I can I can give you at least three off the top of my head of clear mistakes. 
Yeah. I mean, it happens all the time. So what the moral of the story here is like, be okay with it. It does take time to get good at it. Just keep on trying to refine what it is each time because you will get better um, eventually. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask too, like in direct messages. I'll try to help. All right. Uh, this one will be pretty quick. Is mass production being disguised as different products? Here's one page of a bunch of different Panini basketball products. Here's one page of more Panini basketball products. Uh, all from the same year, I think, Nate, right? 2021, 2022. And that doesn't even include like your Luxes and your other stuff that maybe uh, there's hasn't no, come there's out no, yet. There's no, Lux, there's no Lux releasing anymore. But Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So I don't, I'm just, I'm sure there's still 2021 releases coming out that have yeah. not made this 31 list thing. And some of this is Prism Draft Picks, Collegian, and stuff, but it's still. Uh, and and a G League set, but it's still same vein of basketball, basketball guys, basketball guys you might see in the future. And the, the answer doesn't include, you know, tops basketball products, right? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Uh, who is your number one rookie baseball card that everyone is sleeping on? So this is a chart right here of Nate. Who is it? I'm not saying it yet. Oh, so there's the chart. It's down 55. percent It's his entire player index. It's down 55 percent in, in, the, in last the last year. year. Um, there are his uh, splits. April, March, he did really well. May, June, July, he got injured and did not do as well, though July was okay. And then uh, September, October, he blew back up. Um, and uh, it is Wander Franco. I, I think, I think the first month and the last month are significantly more in line with his talent and level than the middle three months. But those middle three months weighed down his entire season performance, despite the fact that he was injured despite the fact that um, that wrist injury caused him to start grounding out at a significantly higher rate. Um, that won't happen next year with him being healthy. And uh, I think Wander Franco by far is the most undervalued uh, player, like 3000 bucks. I know it's PSA, but 3000 bucks for a top score red auto of Wander Franco. It would, it would take you like 50 cases to hit that or more. Yeah. And and we're talking about like the best dude in the product. How much do you think a Julio Red's going to sell for out of the gate? A lot. And like, look, I get it. Julio's really good, but Wander plays shortstop, and Wander's bat maybe not the power, but everything else about him is probably just as good as Julio. So um, we, have, we haven't had a red auto sell, but I can tell you that an orange auto sold for six grand alone. Yeah, and an orange wave sold for around like six grand also. So. Yeah, so it's Wander for me. And honestly, I am devastated, Aaron, because I would have rather taken like $3,000 out of Holland and bought this. Yeah, I know, I know. Not not watching at the right time and missed stuff. And that's how a lot of these auctions sometimes do happen. You know, you find a deal because, you know, we would have been on this if we'd known, but we didn't know, right? So then, then it didn't go up to 3.5K or something. Um, we kind of talked a lot about this uh, earlier too. So four on two train card said, should we, should we be worried about the market? Seems like a lot of money flowing out of the hobby. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think that people have things to spend money on right now that there are necessities and when it's a luxury good, it's just not going to get the amount of money it did when there's more money there. Um, and I think that that is very clearly what has led to decreases in value. Um, I think for certain cards when people, you know, really want their collection. Yeah, it'll sell well, like the Alonzo morning that Nate wrote about this morning, the daily slab. Sign for the daily slab. You learn a lot very quickly. Slabsex.com. Um, but I don't think we should be worried. Uh, I I think it just depends on, on what you're buying, what you're selling. Always well, go to the next. Go to the next slide. Yeah. So, so, what do you have here? S and P 500. So that's the S and P 500 over the past year, 15. percent The other one was the card ladder 50 over the last year, 18. percent So it's like, should you be worried overall about your money in markets in general? Sure. But should you be more worried about the card market than anywhere else? As I don't think so. I was gonna say I could go bring up fifty different things from cryptos and NFTs that have been down eighty or ninety percent. So that uh, that would be a different story. Uh, card collecting has been around for over a hundred years and it's been very strong for the last five years. It's been it was been it's been super strong for the last five years, but it's been very strong for the last like, ten years or more. Um, so I, I wouldn't be worried. But remember, if you have things you don't like, if you have things you're like, why is this here? Maybe that's the thing to sell. And maybe you spend a little bit of that money and go buy something you do like. And and to be fair, there should be just a little bit of worry just in general about any market, right? Yeah. You shouldn't just be spending money like it's, you know, like it's uh, 2020. But that being said, you shouldn't be more worried, I don't think, personally, about the card market than you should be about other markets. Yes. 
Yes, that that's fair to say. That's fair to say. All right, last thing here. So we're about over time. And tomorrow at 5 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, I've got stacked in front of me. This is two full cases of Panini Prism Hobby Soccer uh, World Cup. We are celebrating the World Cup tomorrow. It's going to pr- probably take all night from like 5 Central Time, probably to like 11 Central Time, maybe not that late, but pretty late. And we're going to sell one case at the very start and then one case halfway through. And we're giving away two items throughout the night between the two cases. The first one is going to be Christian Pulisic, Red Modra 99 from 2022 Prism World Cup. And the second one you actually see on the screen and it did arrive. It's right in front Leo? of me. No, 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 not no. Leo. We're going to be giving away, yes, indeed, wow. 2022 Prism World Cup Mbappe Auto. We are giving away this World Cup Mbappe Auto. It is one of the biggest chases in the set, you know, Mbappe's new autos. Um, but everyone who is going to be there live viewing will have a chance to win it for free. So make sure to come tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern time on whatnot. You just got to go to the link in the description. It's got a link that goes right to our channel. Save the stream. It's the first stream you see. You'll see Leo there. You see Leo on the screen. Uh, new puppy, new uh, mascot of Slab Socks. We'll both have our messy jerseys on. I'm super pumped. I'm super pumped. I've opened up one case so far. It was super good. I hope these next two cases are even better. And it'll be a very fun night with lots of giveaways, a huge giveaway, another pretty big giveaway, and uh, just to celebrate the World Cup. And uh, I just can't wait. Just cannot wait. Leo will not be Raz live, but we'll Leo will be live there with me. Does he bark? I feel like I um, heard him make any noise. Nah, yes, he does do. He does do a little growling action. Sometimes I run up the stairs too fast. He starts growling at me, but I'll walk over to him and I'll, I'll pet him, and it'll be fine. <laughs> but he does bark a little bit, not too much. Uh, the, these dogs don't bark very often at all. Oh, uh, Gabriel, read his comment. If I win that car, I want to donate it to Nate, please. Thank you, Gabriel. Gabriel says if, if he wins them, Bobby wants to donate today. He asked earlier, how do you feel about Logan Sargent? <laughs> uh, oh, not wait. Maybe you said Josh. Sorry, Logan Sargent's the American F1 driver. Uh, Josh Sargent. And uh, I feel like that just trying to get Nate going on his hatred for, for Josh Sargent here. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is the reason why USA lost. Uh, no, that would be Walker Zimmerman. Walker Zimmerman is the reason why USA lost. Actually, I think it would be Christian Pulisic because he didn't do anything out there. Get he the assist- ball ahead a little bit and then – Didn't he assist Wea, bro? He literally assisted Wea. Yeah, that's true. He did. <laughs> Should have got tackled, though. You guys could have lost. Did you see that Did you see that yellow card at the end of the game where uh, where your goalie was like 5 million miles out of goal and Gareth Bale this- had the ball at like midfield? Is Nate a Wales fan, truly? He just said, you guys – could have popped it over his head. I think Nate's trying to fly. Well, I was thinking that I was about to see my Gareth Bale 2016 silver PSA 10 go from like $12 to like $5 million with a, with a half field goal there. No, no, for real. If that was a very timely yellow card, bro, I literally thought he was about to launch that in from center center half. I thought it was going to happen. So that, that was a little nerve wracking. But that is all we have for tonight. Tomorrow night, please uh, join myself on whatnot. 6 p.m. Eastern time. Super excited. Nate, thanks for being here. Everyone else, thank you yeah. for coming. Uh, it's a great stream. A lot of people added a lot of really good thoughts. And we will talk to you all again next time on the next Slab Stocks Live here on the Slab Stocks YouTube channel. See you guys.